Hello and welcome to another Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, I thought it'd be great, you know, we're right on the verge of the fall season. Sports are getting back going here at Trinity College. I thought it'd be great to have Mike Pilger come on. He's the head coach of Trinity Soccer. Now in his 15th year with the Bantams. You know him. He was the NESCAC Coach of the Year 2007-2011. First of all, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the Bantam Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, Mike, let's just, if you don't mind, I'd like to profile all our guests. Let's go way back with you. I know you grew up in the Rochester area. Was soccer always your favorite sport? Uh, no. It was hockey growing up on Lake Ontario. It was hockey when I was five, six years old. We had season tickets. To, well, we didn't. My dad had season tickets to the Amherst game. And every once in a while, we'd go to those and grew up we built a rink in our backyard so I grew up a hockey fan and then got into the basketball when I was in middle school and was a pretty good basketball player was a point guard um, actually went to college to play both basketball and soccer but then ended up just playing soccer got into it because it's a big ethnic community there uh, there was uh, the amateur league was the German Americans the Italian Americans the Polish Americans you know there was all these different cultures in Rochester so I was lucky at the time <clears throat> excuse me the the old NASL the Pele and Franz Beckenbauer and Johann Cruyff and all these guys came to play and there were only six teams and it was like New York, Chicago, L.A., Boston, Rochester. <laughs> we had a team. Wow. So it was cool. It was so different, you know. And and, uh, and right when I got to be like eighth, ninth grade, started playing, and lucky enough to go to Boston University, play soccer there on a soccer scholarship, and six years after that of playing, and uh, yeah, that was it. Well, I'm interested. We, we talk about BU and going there. What was it like being a collegiate soccer player for you as a player in the uh, late 70s, early 80s uh, at Boston University? It was great. It was great. Um, there were certain schools where there weren't a lot of Americans playing at that level. Um, it was the old Yankee Conference, so UConn were in our league and URI and BC and UMass. So it was, the leagues were different, just like they change now all the time, too. Um, it was awesome. You know, it was a great place to live. I looked at Penn State and I looked at Hartwick College, who actually won the national championship during my freshman year. Um, but I had a chance to play at BU because they were really kind of starting to build it up. So... Loved it. Loved playing. We had a great, it was a great league. We had great teams after my first year. The last three years we went to the postseason and it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, Mike, let's fast forward. You, you played collegiate, you played after school. What was that time period like? You know, you mentioned soccer was, it was not a huge money in that time period, but what was it like playing professionally? It was, it was great looking back. This was 1980. Um, I got drafted in the first round by Las Vegas, and then they folded right before the season started, and we were going to move to San Antonio, Texas, Then they couldn't get the money together, so I was kind of free and uh, went over 
and lucky enough got to play in Boston. We play, I played indoor with the New England T-Men, who were the team at the time. And then the whole league folded. Then there was there was a, a league on the West Coast, Western Soccer League, and there was a league on the East Coast called the LAZA, Lusitana American Soccer Association, it stood for. And it was all these Portuguese clubs who put the money behind it. So there was a team in New Bedford, big Portuguese community. They weren't all Portuguese, but most of them were. And I got to stay in Boston and play for a club called Fialense right in Cambridge. And... Um, it was good. You know, a lot of the guys from the NASL, you know, the New York Cosmos and New England T-Men and stuff came to play in our league. And I was one of the only Americans, for sure, playing. Um, and it was great. It was great fun. We didn't make a lot of money, but it was it was fun to play at, at that level. And then, Mike, I'm interested. How did you decide to get into coaching? How did that all come about? I know you coached at Kenyon College, the University of Rochester in those early years. How did that transition happen for you? I was lucky. You know, like a lot of you know, I tell our kids all the time, my own kids and the kids I've coached for 30 years, that uh, it's timing. It's being in the right place at the right time. It's a lot. you got to know somebody to get in a certain place, you know. Um, and I was working. I had quit playing when I was 28. And I was working at a soccer camp at the University of Rochester. And uh, my friend George Perry was the coach. He said, hey, I know this guy out at Kenyon College. He's looking for an assistant. And I had never heard of Kenyon College. <laughs> and um, I also was offered the job at Harvard to be the assistant there. And I talked to my friends who were in coaching, and a lot of them were Division three coaches. And they told me about this place, Kenyon and even though it's Harvard, you know, you're comparing the two, um, they talked me into taking Kenyon, and then a year later I was the head coach. I just got lucky, you know, like lucky to go there, lucky the coach left, and he left to be the athletic director at University of Rochester, actually, which is why he was looking, you know, and the connections all kind of came together, and then four years later he hired me to be the head coach at Rochester, stayed there nine years, was offered a professional job, went out to Cleveland to do that, and then, again, I'm, I'm part of these things where leagues fall apart, it seems. The, <laughs> the league folded after a year and a half and um, was lucky enough, you know, always wanted to get back to New England. And then when this job opened up, I jumped at the chance, and Rick Hazleton gave me a chance, and the rest is history. That was 15 years ago. Yeah, well, let's fast forward to that. Talk about that. What did you know about Trinity, if anything at all? Uh, and then just talk about how the, you know, the process went about for you to be hired uh, with the Bantams 15 years ago. Well, the, the other two jobs I had were at great academic schools. And um, I felt like I related good to those kids, even though I... At the time, I mean, Boston University certainly was a good school, but I, I wasn't a great student in high school. Uh, and lucky enough to, to like I say, stumble into those jobs at these great academic schools. Kenyon's a great school. Rochester's a great school. Coached for a year at Case Western Reserve, a great school, um, after the, the pro thing fell apart. And then, you know, I knew this was the, the highest level of Division three soccer in the country. Uh, it still is. It's just gotten even better, actually, as I've been here. 
Um, and 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 it's New England, so check the boxes for me. You know, I always wanted to come back here. My wife loves it here, and uh, yeah. So again, th- threw a flyer out, but definitely wanted this job big time when it when it came available, and was lucky enough to get it. And like most coaches who coach soccer in this league. I'm still here. You know, Mike Russo was a friend of mine. He was at Williams for over 30 years. Dave Sayward just retired after about 30 years at Middlebury. Um, Mark Sergenian was 40 years at Colby. Um, Jeff Wheeler's a good friend. He's been 20 years at Wesleyan. So they're they're great places to work. You know, especially if you're a soccer coach because it's the highest level. You get great kids, you get good players, you get a chance to play for a national championship. Um, so, yeah, it was a, kind of a no-brainer, you know? Yeah, it's amazing, the NESCAC, how strong it is. And you're right, when you mention those coaches, how long they stay at their schools, it must be a good indication of what a great conference and great uh, schools are part of that. So that, that that brings me to the next question, Coach. Pretend I'm a, a you know, a... 17-year-old, big-time senior recruit. How do you sell that kid to, to go to Trinity College? Well, we get a lot of kids that are interested, which is fantastic. You know, we don't have to go out to every every corner of the country and, and wave the flag and explain to kids what Trinity is. So we get a lot of kids that are interested in, in, in all of the schools. We all do, which is part of the reason why they're great jobs is that you got kids who want to be here um and then when we when we see them play we do go to a lot of tournaments and work at a lot of camps and then we try and talk them into coming to visit the school which again talking into them talking them into it isn't actually the right term you know they're thrilled that we want to invite them to come meet the guys and see the school which they come if they do an overnight visit they love it pretty much 99% of the time. Um, actually, it might be 100% of the time. You know, kids like it here. And, and I, I also tell them, one of the things I tell them in the recruiting process are, are that the kids that are here as students at Trinity, they like it here. You know, a lot of, a lot of I mean, one of my sons transferred two times from the schools he was at, you know? Oh, really? Wow. And, and I think that that's, more the norm of kids, you know, getting through school and going to school. But I mean, kids actually love it here. It's a, it's a great place, you know. Just like I said, coaches enjoy coaching and, and being part of these these schools in this league. There, you know, Trinity's a great place, as as you probably know if you live in the area. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's got a great reputation academically, athletically. I mean our facilities another thing when you say how do you get them to go you first thing we do when we when we get them on campus is we show them our field we we probably have well well we we definitely have one of if not the nicest soccer fields in new england and it's the only division three grass field that has lights i i think you know so when we play a home game under the lights on this beautiful field, um, we get we get big crowds with the we have great um, school support. You know, kids 
kids like to go out to games, you know, whether it's a hockey game or a football game or a basketball game or a soccer game. Um, there's there's great uh, school support here for athletics, and you know, again, I don't really have to talk them into too hard of, of coming here. We get a lot of kids who want to come here, and a lot of what. Zach and I do, my assistant coaches, we, we have to identify who the right kids are, not just the right players, but the right kids. Um, we, we take pride in, in the team, being a team and being together and um, our behavior on the field, off the field. We were just talking about that an hour or so ago in a meeting, the importance of that. And, and we talk to kids about that during the recruiting process. We, we try and sift out the the bad actors and the um our guys going to be a good fit here are they going to you know be the kind of guys that we want to be representing our team walking around campus and in the dining halls and in the locker rooms and in the uh in their dorms and you know walking around town so um not hard to attract kids here yeah the harder thing is to pick out the right kind of kid into our program and our, you know, the kids who want to respect our core values and, and uh, our, our expectations of behavior, our standards of academics, you know, we take pride, our kids do well in the classroom, and we, we talk to kids about that in the recruiting process, like, um, you know, our kids, we, we recruit kids that we think are going to get accepted to the school, which, you know, that, that puts a lot of kids out of the picture too um and then once they do here once they once we get them in i don't have to worry about them flunking out you know they they do well so um it's the most time consuming part of the whole process is the recruiting nowadays um and um but i'm lucky enough to to do it at a school like trinity well said, Coach. Now let's talk about, let's fast forward to your t- in-season, you know, a typical game day. I want to know if you can. Can you break it down from when you wake up to when you go to bed? What's Dana like like as a head coach of the Trinity Bantams uh, during the fall on a game day? On a Saturday, it's different than on a weekday. On a weekday, we'll, the game's at 7 p.m. On a Saturday, it can be as early as 11 a.m. So, um uh, on a week, most of the the conference games are Saturdays, so a big game. You know, Williams is coming to town, or Amherst, or Middlebury, or Wesleyan. Um, you know, usually wake up with one, sleep with one eye open because you <laughs> the next day. We only play 15 games; they're all huge. You know, um, the difference between finishing in fifth place in our league and going to the NCAA tournament and being a top 20 ranked team. You know, if you're in the top half of our league, you're ranked in the top 25. You're usually going to the NCAA tournament. The difference between finishing there and finishing 10th or 11th is like two kicks of the ball. So you're a little nervous about the luck involved in getting a win in our sport, you know, since all the games are one nothing, 2-1, you know, a kick of the ball here, a ball hits the post there, a goalkeeper or if somebody makes a mistake and lets one in there, it's difference in the game. So you wake up with one eye open, you, you drink a couple of cups of coffee, that makes you even more nervous than you already are. So then you you make your way over here for 8 or 9 in the morning, 
And because uh, if we're kicking off at noon, which is average time, we meet two hours before the game. And uh, <clears throat> so we, you know, we don't talk too much, but the guys are getting ready. Half of them have to get in the training room and get treatment, get ice, whatever. We walk around, mill around, try and relax guys, even though we're on the inside, we're not very relaxed ourselves as coaches. You know, we get nervous. Um, and then we go in and talk to the team a little bit, and then they, they have another 15 or 20 minutes, and then they will meet out on the field about a half an hour before game, and that's the way it is. Um, it's actually, you, you kind of have this thing, you've done your work during the week. You've done your work in, in the video sessions that we're having all day long with kids coming in and out of the office watching video talking about the other team we're going to play, getting a scouting report on them, going to training two, three hours. Sometimes the goalkeepers or somebody else might train during the day, and then you're out to practice, and then you're here after practice and making phone calls. And So you do the work during the week, and then you get up and you try and enjoy the day, the day of the game. Um, and we, and we do tend to enjoy it. You win. It's obviously more fun if you get a, a positive result. Um, but then it's, you know, back in after the game, watching the video in the office. Um, parents always say, well, how come you guys don't come to the uh, the post-game tailgate, as they call it? You know, all the kids and parents who are able to get to the game go out and get together and we're in here watching video, analyzing what the heck happened. Because the game happened so fast, I don't really know exactly how every goal was scored against us or how we scored or how come we couldn't win midfield, why were we doing this. And So after the game, it becomes another couple, three hours um, of, of reviewing it. So they're long days. Um, we play a 7 o'clock night midweek game we're usually in here between nine and midnight watching it and getting home and then uh so it doesn't end at the final whistle for us we uh, analyze it all after the game and try and figure out what because we got to plan a practice session for the next day you know yeah oh um but those are fun days it's fun to watch the team play um watch watch how how our work has see the results of our of our week long work and see how we can put it into into play you know and then coach if if I'm from afar and I, someone asked me you know what's what's the coach Trini what's his coaching style like if you in couple you know a couple sentences what's your style like how do you like to attack what's your basic soccer principles uh, as a head coach well. Our team is known as as an offensive team. Um, we I'll give you an example of that. We've played uh, Wheaton College. We only have five out of conference games and try to play the toughest schedule we can play. Our schedule's ranked one of the hardest in the country. Um, and Wheaton is a great team who um, who also tends to be known for their offensive prowess and three of the last four years the game has been four to three <laughs> and wow. uh which is almost unheard of in our sport you know i mean liverpool will play 60 games this year and 
there might be one game where there's seven goals scored. And I mean, we're no different. Our games are one nothing, two to one, one to one. You know, maybe a maybe a three every now and then, a three to one or a three nothing. But um, so we're we're kind of we're offensive minded for sure. Um, I was a forward. Zach Grady, our assistant coach, was a forward. He was an all NESCAC forward for Williams. Um, most of the All-American plaques and all-region plaques that are on the wall in this office, most of those guys were forwards. Not that we haven't had great goalkeepers and great defenders, but um, we actually have been talking here as we get ready for preseason about how much we do have to concentrate on being better defensively and giving up less weak goals, if you will, and maybe playing better team defense. Um we didn't have a great year last year, but we had 15 freshmen that are turning into 15 sophomores, so we're expecting a little bit better on the team defense this year. But that's kind of our style. We A lot of college soccer now have gone to the long ball style. It's, it's known as you just kind of wolf it down there and let's get it in the other team's end, kind of like you see in rugby where they're trying to work the ball out short pass, but then they eventually – they just blast it down and let's try and uh, get positional, you know, gain a gain a territorial edge, if you will, like punting the ball in football. Um, so a lot of teams are going to that, and, and they're having success with it, but we don't do that. We try to pass the ball. I think the kids want to play a, a technical style of game, if you would call it such a thing, you know. Um but we try and pass the ball on the ground and and play play shorter passing as opposed to a lot of coaches now, not a lot, but who knows who's listening to this, but some coaches certainly won't recruit some of the kids that we recruit that are 5'8 or 5'9, and a lot of guys are, are now putting six, seven players on the field that are 6'3, 6'4, 6'5, trying to get long throw-ins, which has become a big thing in our game now. You get a long throw-in and hoist it in there and hope that it bounces around because you got taller guys in the other team. You're heading the ball, not whack it in off of a scrum in front of the net. Um, so we're one of the few teams who doesn't like practice long throw-in plays because that's how we're going to try and score our goals. We try and build the ball up by passing it and um, playing what I think is a more fun way to play, if nothing else. So. Yeah, no question about it. And then, Coach, specifically, you mentioned you referenced earlier training camps right around the corner. Uh, what what is the specifically the goals for this year's team? What can fans expect? Our goal every year is to make it to the NCAA tournament, and that that would mean finishing in the top half of our league. Some years they only take three four NESCAC teams. Last year they took five. Um, we had won three consecutive national championships. It went Tufts, Amherst, then Tufts again for three years in a row. Um, so I, I'm always thinking that we have good enough players. If we stay healthy, you don't always do that. If you get a couple of breaks here and there, like I say, our, our shot hits the net, their shot hits the post, we win, they don't, vice versa. you got to have a little luck. Um, but I'm. I expect us to be excellent. I expect us to be great. Um, I think we do have 
a great leadership group this year. We had a phenomenal spring of hard work. Um, and uh, like I say, I think those 15 freshmen, we don't have 15 freshmen anymore. We have a handful, and uh, they're, they're not going to get to play unless they're fit and, and well-behaved. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're going to be much better in the, in the standings than we were last year. So I expect us to be great, to be honest with you. And then, Coach, just talk about you've been there 15 years now, so you're 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 really the uh, patriarch of a program now. You've been, you've seen multiple cycles of kids come through. Just talk about what it means. Like I can only imagine to see alums and your former players come back and watch your team. And do you catch, keep up with players as they progress through their careers? I'm sure, and have families uh, now down the road. Yeah, I, I'm like most coaches that you hear get interviewed or, or that you listen to talk about. You know, one of the thrilling things about our job is that you these relationships that you create and establish and, and continue to have with with guys I think I think about it a lot I talk to guys that I coached at Kenyon and these guys are in their 50s now wow and hard to believe you know because it seems like yesterday that they were 18 19 year old guys <laughs> and uh, some of them are you know when I when I took that job, I was 28, and I was coaching guys that were only six years younger than me. So, wow, that puts them in their mid 50s. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's it's unreal. I mean, I had two guys who graduated last year, one last year, one year before, just send me texts and give me phone calls today as they know that our season's about to begin. So, um, we'll have our alumni game here in a month. We'll have 30 or 40 guys come to that um some some of them live overseas and can't make it i stay in touch with them but that's really one of the biggest joys of the job is that you get to establish relationships with people and um and and hold on to those relationships and um yeah and and trinity as a school i mean our alumni base is phenomenal um just as far as you know you you mentioned about staying in touch and actually literally talking and emailing and texting and um just being in touch with guys but they're also amazing given their support financially to the program so i don't know whether it's just the kind of guy or or woman the kind of person who comes to trinity college they give back you know they like i said before people really enjoy it here so um we're lucky that we have amazing support um not just financially but coming to games i think one of the that just made me think of something one of the things that i talk about in recruiting is when we play a home game those are the biggest crowds that we play in front of the, you know, we go to other places and there's a few hundred people at the games. There's between 500 and 1,000 at our games here. Wow. So the, the alumni from around come back. The, um, the, the students that are here come out. Parents come out. Um, so, yeah, our alumni are, are, are really important and, and 
and special to, to me personally and to the program. Coach, just the last couple minutes here, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about soccer in the United States, your opinions. First of all, how do you feel? If you could just a couple sentences on each level, the youth level, high school level, collegiate level, and, you know, the pro level, the MLS. What's your thoughts on each level of soccer in the United States? Well, I think our youth system needs a major revamping. I think that there's too many coaches and clubs that are that it's a business for them. And we're not necessarily trying to develop players for what's best for the players um, in, in, in some cases. In, in enough cases that I think it's affecting us all the way up to our national team level, you know? Um, you know, I've been to a lot of countries. I've been, I've been all over Europe and um, and I see the way that their their youth system, it's about the kids a little bit more than it is here. Um, and then I think that that continues on. I think uh, our high school soccer is fine. You know, I think it's it's actually great as far as the school spirit that when you see, when you go to recruit kids at those games. Um, I think college soccer is a great thing that our national team coaches and administrators want to do away with college soccer for uh, developing national team players. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but I don't really agree with a lot of things that, that U.S. soccer are doing, if, you know, from, from the youth level all the way up to the national team. Um, as far as that goes, I think that we got exactly what we deserved by not making the World Cup. I think that we've hit a standstill in the last 20 years or so when we kind of were, were building up and we were arriving on the world scene that we were somebody to be reckoned with. And then in whatever it was, 1992 or something, where we actually made a run and Landon Donovan was scoring goals and we were beating Portugal 3 to nothing in games. And um, maybe I'm going back a little too far, 92, was it 98 or something. But hmm. I think then we've kind of hit a standstill. We, we bring in coaches from different countries who don't know our culture. Um, I think that that's a mistake. We, we have guy running U.S. soccer who's from a different country, um, and America's different than other uh, countries. You know, I've, I've been to other countries and seen the way they are. My wife's Swedish. Um, I, know, I know the difference between a socialist country, and um, it's we we, we got to revamp, I think, everything we do from the top to the bottom. If we want to become better on, a, on an international level. But, I mean, the sport is healthy. You know, it's growing. Uh, the MLS has gotten better and better through the years, and I think that that's a good sign. That's, that's watchable now, and it's a good level. Um, and I think that, I think it will, I think it's kind of hit a, about a 20-year lull, or not lull, but kind of has stayed the same as far as us producing top professional players and I think the youth system will get revamped. I think that I think we'll get there someday. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but um, I think it's going through kind of a transitional phase now. Hopefully, it's gone kind of on a stagnant stage, and I think it's going to develop even more. I mean, there's better and better high school players. 
the Division Three level of soccer that that Trinity's in is is it gets better all the time. You know, the players I'm recruiting now are are more athletic and bigger and faster and stronger and have have developed their soccer skills more than the players I was recruiting 15 and 20 years ago. So um, it's interesting. It always has been interesting to be involved in in the sport that we're in that is more popular in other countries than it is in ours, you know, compared to basketball and football and baseball and, you know, where it's, it's the United States is where it's most popular, you know. So... It's a weird sport. <laughs> it's a it's a weird game, and uh, and the way that it's run in our country is follows suit. That, that's weird too. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens over the next few years. But college soccer, I think, is a great thing. Uh, NESCAC soccer is a great thing, and and you know Trinity soccer is a great thing. So the level I'm involved in, it's easy for me on the outside looking in to, to criticize how it's done at all these other levels, but I think that it, it needs some work. Well, at least, Coach, as you said, to wrap it up, the Trinity level, the D3 level, and the SCAC level, you know, all things are going well, and you're at the verge right now, the eve of another season, so with that, we wish you all the best, and good luck this year, and thanks so much for previewing the year and uh, coming on the podcast. Well, pleasure talking to you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. All right, Coach, good luck this year. All right, hope to see you out at some games. All right, you bet.